We are joined by Amanda Lang. She is the host of Taking Stock with Amanda Lang on BNN Bloomberg. And uh, good morning. Happy Friday. Good morning. Happy Friday to you. So a CIBC analysis, at the very least, insists that we may be getting some relief from food inflation soon. Is that because of anybody's action or just because it's slaking off? Uh, a couple of things, uh, and the, that point you're making <laughs> buried in there is really important. CIBC is saying, uh, at least when it comes to our Canadian dollar, which has been weak, which actually has an inflationary effect because we buy stuff uh, in U.S. dollars, your avocados don't come from here, uh, that will taper off. They've noted that some of the, the forces that have sent inflation up in recent months have already started to taper off. And so they're saying it's not going to get worse from here. And in fact, you should start to see the effects of uh, a kind of a leveling off of at least the loonie and then also some of these other high prices. To your point, will we see that in a drop in prices? That's always the question with inflation. Does it come back down in the same way it went up? We haven't seen that yet, even though the producer prices have come down. So that's going to be the thing to watch. And I think you're right. Uh, when people show a tolerance for inflation in a product like food, then you know why would the grocery retailers give up on what could be bigger profits? Um, now, gasoline is much more literally volatile. Mm -hmm. We do see some prices that are very responsive. And I will say in this whole process of food inflation in the past eight, nine months, they, they've been super responsive to their own costs and raised their prices in kind of real time. I just really hope that they do the same in reverse. So tell me about this story, because I'm not sure what the takeaway from the headline is, but it says housing affordability concerns point to a new model. Yeah, it's this is really interesting, actually. This is some research done by a, a fellow uh, from the University of Calgary, and he is noting that uh, the current measure of whether your house is unaffordable is 30% of your income. So if it costs you 30% of your income to pay your mortgage or your rent, you're deemed to be in an, un an unaffordable position. But Ron Kneebone, who did this research analysis, is with CMHC kind of rethinking this and saying, actually, what matters is after you've paid your housing costs, costs, can you afford the other stuff you need? Because that's what really matters. And they're calling that housing hardship. If you can't afford the food, the, you know, the other stuff that is actually a little more flexible, because rent is totally inflexible, then you're in hardship. And here's the key point. Many more people right now are in what we would call uh, housing in unaffordability, that 30% mar marker, than are in housing hardship. So actually, we're not as badly off by this new measure he's proposing uh, as we are by the old measure, which is a bit arbitrary. 30% is kind of an arbitrary number. And I'll just give you one example, which is Ontario, where the number is really significantly lower. About 12% of people are considered below that 30% household or it's unaffordable, but only 8% are in housing hardship. Why is that? Because incomes are higher. There's more flexibility. Who knows what it is? But in the most expensive province of all, we're not as badly off by this new way of thinking about it. So it's an interesting kind of addition to the policy question, and I think an important one. Amanda Lang is here from BNN Bloomberg, and I was just curious about your thoughts on, I don't know necessarily we can call it chaos, but we've had a rocky week in the airline industry, and in particular with Flair. And there's a number of angles here. One is Flair says that there's something going on behind the scenes, that their competitors are ganging up on them. But my uh, observation earlier in the week was this is real trouble for an airline because if you can't sell a ticket to somebody who knows you're going to fly them, then they just stop buying.
This is the thing, and Flair really needs to keep the confidence of the public. I, was, I will say it's funny, I was musing with this, and we had the CEO of Flair on. We'll have him on the show tonight on Taking Stock. Um, and I said, can people trust you? And he said, yes, we are going to get our, you know, the flights we're promising will happen. I said, do people hold tickets that might not fly? He had to acknowledge they're going to have to rejig the schedule a little bit. They have fewer planes than capacity required. In other words, the, the flights they've promised, they don't have the planes for. Right. So that's just a fact of life. But people like low fares. You and I both know that. So as long as there's a low fare available, people will take a bit of a risk on it because it is such a difference between what you can get at a low-cost airline than the major airlines. Uh, and that's where the role these these low-cost airlines play, right? They fill this gap of this hunger. And right now, regular air travel is also a mess and also frightfully expensive. Anybody who's gone away from work break will tell you it's eye-popping what you're paying for prices compared to what you used to. So there's a role for these guys. Will they make it? Um, I'll tell you one thing. A lot of Canadians hope so. Thank you very much for this. Good to have you this morning. Pleasure, John. Amanda Lang is the host of Taking Stock with Amanda Lang, which you can watch on BNN Bloomberg and CTV News.